The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, LifeHouse. Joining us at all of our campuses, Seaburg Online. Welcome to the LifeHouse Lounge. This is like a, a whole vibe right here. I could, I could actually get used to sitting down on the job. Don't know if things be much different than what they already are. But any, okay, listen, before I get myself in trouble, um, let me address why we're here. Um, and really, I don't mean why we're here in this, Kayla, you branded it, the LifeHouse living room. <laughs> Leave it up to LifeHouse to put a living room anywhere we so feel like it. We put one of these at the DMV, it might change the world. Um, welcome to the LifeHouse living room. But when I ask why are we here, I don't mean here in this setting. I, I'm going further than that, you guys. I'm actually asking why are we here? Why are you joining us at one of our campuses? Seaberg, what up? Why are you joining us online? Why are you at church? Uh, so I'm asking, going further, why is the church still here in existence? Like it's a 2,000-year-old movement of following Jesus. How come it didn't just fade away like colonial fashion or, <laughs> or disco music? I don't know, it's fidget spinners. Like things that fade away, how come the church is still here in existence? Why does it exist? And as the global church has to ask that question, the local church, like LifeHouse and any churches in our area and any cities, you have to ask that question. And LifeHouse answers that question by saying we exist, that anyone can know God, find family, and make a difference. And today what I want to get into, I feel like I'm, I'm with a, a department in our church that is so vital to making sure that all of those objectives of the church are achieved, knowing God, finding family, and making a difference and uh, I want you guys to meet. I'm here with our discipleship department, and I want you guys to meet them. You probably know them, but just to make sure we're a big church, I want to make sure everybody knows these important people and what they do. Um, so kind of flipping the objectives, I'm going to start at making a difference. Pastor Kurt, I'm going to introduce you first. You guys, this is Pastor Kurt. He is our executive discipleship pastor. I'm probably saying it wrong. Just separate, executive pastor of discipleship, but also he's got a long title and we had to condense it just for like optics. There's also of global missions, right? Or global outreach. Bro, explain that, please. Take us, take us into your, literally the world. Well, yeah, as Spence said, my name's Kurt and uh, I'm a father, grandfather. I got 4.5 grandkids. I got 0. one 5. on the way in March, so we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've Literally this month, I'll be celebrating my 24th year of ministry right here. So that's wait a minute. I, I was going to have us applaud at the end as you do, but do it right there, please. <laughs> Welcome, celebrate, Pastor Kurt. You can keep going. Sorry, that's amazing. That's no problem. Uh, just as as Spencer said, I am the executive pastor of discipleship and global outreach. That's a big title, but let me kind of give you a quick like, what does that mean? So I oversee all of our discipleship, which includes things like Life Track. Um, our learning groups that we're getting ready to relaunch this fall, uh, life groups, as well as missions, which is making difference around the world, working with missionaries around the world, outreach, which is our local stuff here in Hagerstown, Chambersburg. And then one of the things that's near and dear to my heart is our leadership college. Yeah. So. Yes. Awesome. Which, which has launched, but you're not too late to sign up for spring. Uh, we can look at the spring. You just be early. You can be ahead of time. <laughs> um, Pastor Kayla. Okay, so finding family, making a difference, finding family. Uh, Pastor Kayla, she is our life group's pastor. Come on. That's one that you have to 
Give us your heart about Kayla. Come on, tell us a little about what's going on with you in this department. Yeah, so I'm Kayla, just a little bit over 24 years of age. <laughs> well, wait, I... wait, wait, what was that? She'll learn. <laughs> just, um, just fun background, this is why that's we're her such boss. A fun department. <laughs> I'll get it later, it's fine. Um, I am a mom, I'm a foster mom, um, I'm a fur baby mom to a, a dog and a cat and every other animal that needs a home. That's right. Um, but I had just stepped out of kids ministry in from eight years here at LifeHouse and into this life groups role. And I just value the connection and people finding family. Just, just like you said, I have a heart for people out here finding family, making connection, feeling like they belong here. They have an importance. I love it. Come on, welcome Pastor Kayla to the living room. So this is Branda. Branda, th this team cannot do what it does without what you do, all right? And just like making a difference and finding family, you cannot do until you know God, first and foremost. Um, we believe that. And so I have a little story to share about Branda. I'm gonna get to that in just a moment. But Branda, please take us into your world because for this whole department to do what it does and for you to have a heart of people knowing God, I just, doesn't happen without the project manager. I know that firsthand. <laughs> Come on, tell us a little about what's going on in your LifeHouse world. So in my LifeHouse world, I love what I get to do because I am Kayla's right-hand man. I am Kurt's right-hand man. I am ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am, ma'am, pardon me. I am our outreach director, Pastor Jason's right-hand gal as well. Um, and I get to be involved in every single aspect of our department. I help out directly with leadership college and the students. I help out with life groups. I help out with everything that goes on under our discipleship umbrella. And so I love it because I get to connect I get to watch people grow. Um, I get to be involved in missions as well. So shout out to missions. Um, yeah, so it's really cool. And you have a family too. I do. I have two little girls and my parents live in Florida. So when I'm not here, if you guys miss me, I'm generally jet setting down south. So. <laughs> That's how you do it. Let's welcome Branda to the LifeHouse living room. So... <sighs> So Branda, so I, I was in one of the first meetings when Branda onboarded. I was in one of her first meetings. And like a gentleman, I introduced myself to her. Um, and her response back Adorable. to me was, yes, yeah, Spence, we, not, not I know you. Yes, yeah, Spence, we know each other. The following words in scenarios like this for me either go awesome or awful. And in this case, it wasn't really awful, but it was a little embarrassing because Brenda had to remind me that I, I know her because she and I worked together before she came on staff here at LifeHouse. And where we worked was, we worked for a really renowned uh, nonprofit organization here in this area that, that works with kids. And so we were doing a summer camp together um, and it wasn't just any summer camp. So it had the same summer camp components. It had like activities and outside and let's take them on a field trip and this and that. But the, it, was a, it was a life skills camp for teens and preteens. And the, the primary learning, learning objective for this summer camp was to raise teen pregnancy prevention awareness. Yeah. So you can imagine some of our discussions. And basically what I'm trying to say is you don't teach a camp like that with somebody and forget who they are. <laughs> 
you, I immediately in that moment became the cliche jerk. You can't even remember her name, bro. Like, I, that's how I felt. Disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> she forgave me and she stayed on staff. <laughs> and we're glad for that. Because when, when we think about our objective, knowing God, finding family, making a difference. And each of you guys today actually kind of have a parallel point that kind of goes good with that. Um, but quite honestly, knowing Jesus is, can actually be an embarrassing moment, kind of like I had with Brenda. We know Jesus' name. We know of him. Some of us really know him, but, but the question that I'm driving today when I ask, like, why does a church exist is, do we just know Jesus or do, do we know him? Like, we're supposed to, I was supposed to remember who Brando was because of history and connection that we had, and, but I didn't. And it can be like that, knowing God. And all of this starts with knowing God. And knowing God, getting to know him, it's just like getting to know any other person. And getting to know someone can be just as simple as every day or often or frequent, just simply learning something new about them. So I want you all to think about the last time that you had to learn something new, whether it was learning a new skill, whether you were in school and you were learning about a topic. But I want you to think about and reflect on what it took you to get from point A of not knowing to then point B of knowing and being knowledgeable of something. Usually you have to follow a direction or you need to watch someone, right? Okay, so my dad before he retired was a horseman and uh, we had a thoroughbred farm and he was a farrier. So um, when I was a small girl, when I was little, I followed him around everywhere he went, all over the farm. And so by the time I was in kindergarten, I knew what it took to make a horse, I knew what it would take to break a horse, to train a horse, and to put shoes on a horse. Because I followed him everywhere he went. And so I was curious about his transition in his career and how he grew, because you don't just wake up one day and suddenly have all of that knowledge, right? right? right it takes right. years of growth right. and training and learning things. So I asked him um, how he got there. And he said, well, you know, I started out as an exercise rider. An exercise rider is the person that is basically the horse's physical trainer. I thought it was like Peloton. I mean, he's pushing them to go. <laughs> so the, the, tra the exercise rider trains the horse physically for everything that the horse is going to encounter on the track. So he trains them how to block out distractions, how to meet time marks, all of those things. And that sounds like a fun and exciting job, right? Why would you want to walk away from that? And he said, I knew that I wanted something more. And I think that that's a really good point to hold on to. And so in Matthew chapter four, we read, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. One of the things that I really love about this passage is that Jesus didn't call them to leave behind everything that they knew about fishing yeah, to right. follow him. He instead instructed them and told them that he was going to teach them how to use what they already knew exactly. to make disciples. And I think sometimes we can kind of get that 
mixed up a little bit. You know, my dad didn't just change careers completely. He retained everything that he knew about horses and allowed that skill to grow. So he took $2,500 of his own money, which at the time in the late 80s, early 90s, isn't an extreme amount of money, but it's a, it's a chunk of change. And he invested it in his first horse. And when the farrier came to put shoes on the horse, he became really interested and really invested in what was happening. And so he said to the farrier, if you let me come follow you and learn from you and become your apprentice, I'll work for you for free until I know what I'm doing. And so for months, all he did was stand and watch and follow the movements of the farrier. He learned how to follow the movements of the horse, how to shape the hoof and the shoe together. It was all about following someone else to learn a new skill. And so eventually he would go from farm to farm and ask owners to let him work for free until he honed in on that skill. And so that first horse that he bought for $2,500, the first time he ran it, ran at 44 to one odds. So if you're not a betting person, that means that this horse was the extreme long shot and was not at all favored to win. That horse won. Let's go. And so at the beginning of the story, we have someone who's fresh and brand new and learning and expanding their career. His business had grown. And by the end of his career, he was the paddock blacksmith at Gulfstream Park in Florida, where they run the Florida Derby, where Kentucky Derby horses have started and moved on. And so he began on a horse that was only worth $2,500 and then was working on horses that were worth $2.5 million. Yes. Because he took the risk, he took the chance to follow someone else. And so in Romans 12, we read, so here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. Yes develops well-formed maturity in you. My dad knew that he wanted more. He knew that he was made for something more. And so he chose apprenticeship. He chose to follow. And as humans, we are all innately wired to desire more. We want more out of this life, right? We're not content with what we have. We're called to be changed, as I just read, from the inside out, which is why sometimes we have this feeling of discontentment and we're not sure what to do with it. And so we were made to follow Jesus. Once we lay down our nets, ready to walk away from the things that we know, then we set ourselves up to grow. Let's go. That's exactly right, Brenda. Um, to be a disciple, we must grow. We must grow in our spiritual disciplines and in relationship with one another. 
And when I think about spiritual growth and growing, I think about this time this past year, uh, my son and I, we were outside just playing around, and for some reason, he just always likes to show me what he found. He's so excited about it. So he comes running over from the back of the yard, and he's like, look, Mom, look, Mom, look what I found. And I'm thinking it's a worm, and that he's probably just going to throw it on me, <laughs> because that's what little boys do, apparently. Um, but no, he had this thing in his hand. He goes, I don't know what it is. And most times we're looking it up on Google, but I was like, oh my goodness. I said, it's a chrysalis. He goes, well, what is that? And I said, well, it's part of the stages before uh, he becomes a butterfly. And before I could say anything else, he's cracking open this chrysalis. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. And he's holding this butterfly, we'll call it, in his hand. And it's kind of moving and he goes, Mom, I don't understand. I thought I was saving it. I thought he needed help. And I said, he's like, why is he not flying? And I said, oh, buddy, he wasn't done being inside that chrysalis. He wasn't done developing. He wasn't done growing. And you know, I think when God is in the process of transforming us, we go through those struggles in that chrysalis. Like we grow through that development phase and in James 1, 4, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, growing, it's about moving from a time with Jesus to a life with yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And, and growing to have a life with Jesus isn't just about the rules and regulations, although God does expect our obedience. It goes from a time of just checking in to having your whole day spent with him. But you know, I think a lot of times we in our priorities start to change depending on maybe even depending on the what season is. Like right now, we're about to go into football season. Some priorities start to change. We start maybe binging on Netflix, we're scrolling through TikTok at night. We're putting things in place what was meant for God to grow in him. And you know, to be a disciple means that we're growing in relationship with one another. And in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If a knife is blunt, it's still a knife, even though it's less effective at cutting, but there's this mutual benefit in rubbing two knives together that sharpens one another, making it a lot easier to cut or to slice through. And I think we as a church, we need to become sharper. Sharp. And the sharpness like, that I'm referencing too is God's word. We need to become sharper in his word. And if we're, if we're gonna be sharp people, that means we're encouraging one another, we're lifting each other up, we're challenging one another, yeah. we're pushing each other to grow. And I think, I think of someone who's, who is that in my life. Someone who holds me accountable, like accountability partners. Someone who's like a mentor in my life. Someone who just doesn't let me get off easy. But someone who's encouraging me, loving on me. But they're really challenging they're me. They're really they're pushing real. in on me and in my life. And I think it's really cool. So when butterflies come together, it's called a kaleidoscope. And they come together when they need their basic necessities, which is food, water, warmth, and I heard someone once say that when you fly alone, you can fly fast, but when you fly together, 
you can fly far. Fly far, yep. So I want to encourage you, like who in your life, and maybe you're thinking of that person right now, but who in your life do you have that's like your accountability partner, that's encouraging you, that's lifting you up, that's pushing you to grow into the next step, that's holding you accountable? In in the Bible, there's, there's these two men, and I think it just displays the accountability part where you can see that the the growth that it, it just produces um, fruit, and that's of t- Paul and Timothy. You see, Timothy, he is this young, smart guy, well-educated in Greek and Hebrew, and he has all of these things, and he's very pastoral. He has this heart, but Timothy knew he needed a Paul. He needed Paul. He needed someone to encourage him and someone to push him, because even though Timothy was all these things that we hear about, he was also very timid. And timid Timothy, there you go. So Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy um, 4.2, he says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You know, this verse is saying, whether convenient or not, in season or out of season, we should be ready and prepared. We should be ready with that person or even a group. You can get involved in a life group. We have learning groups to to further your spiritual growth here. But you know, to be sharp people, to continue to grow, these are the things that we need to hold as importance in, in our life and not just in our actions, with our attitudes as well. And, and, you know, not all of these other things, but we also need to start bringing along people alongside of us on this journey, on this spiritual journey. Yeah, you know, Kayla, that's a really great point because to be a disciple, we have to multiply. Yep. Yep. We have to reproduce ourselves. In the book, The Hero Maker, the author writes as he said, real discipleship is encouraging someone else to achieve something greater than they believe they can do. And I kind of want to give you a quick example of that. In 2008, uh, we were hosting our first Convoy of Hope event here in Hagerstown. And my role in that uh, was to be the arrangements coordinator, which basically meant I was responsible for setup, teardown, making sure all the supplies were available, that electricity was available. Uh, And so in that process, obviously, there were some meetings and some trainings and things like that. But on the week of the event, I had to go over to the site, which was over here at E. Russell Hicks. Some of you might I've been there, remember how cold it was that morning um, at 5.30. But uh, I had to meet the director, the national director, uh, outreach director came in, and we were going to mark the site, and he showed me how to do that, and we put down markers for the tents and all that stuff. And then over the next two days during setup, you know, basically, if I needed something, I could ask him or, you know, get some pointers, or he showed me something I was missing. Uh, but then the day of the outreach came, and so basically that day, if you're the arrangements guy, you're busy. You're, but I spent most of my day in a golf cart just driving around the site, fixing problems, making sure supplies were where they needed to be. But somewhere in that day, this national director comes up along my car and he goes, man, I need a break. Can I sit down? So I said, sure, of course, absolutely sit down. And so he sits down on my cart, and what happened was two hours later, we had had a discussion about life, family, ministry, uh, you name it, we talked about it. And um, event ended, we cleaned up, he went back to Ozark, Missouri, where he lives, uh, and I figured that was it. About two months later, I get a message, and he said, hey, um, 
would you be interested? We're, my first outreach next year is in Frederick. And would you be interested in going down to Frederick, bring some of your team uh, and just helping out? And I said, yeah, man, that'd be really cool. It'd be fun. So we went down. And when we get there, I'm figuring I'm just going to pitch in, right? The guy grabs me. He says, no, I just want you to shadow me. Follow me around. I want to kind of teach you why we do what we do and how we do it. And so let me just fast forward because this could get be a really long story. Uh, when that event ended, he pulls me aside and he says, hey, um, we have this thing called a national volunteer. Would you be interested in coming along and becoming a national volunteer with Convoy of Hope? And I, you just, I said, what's that mean? He said, well, you're going to travel with me a little bit. When you're available, you go with me. So a few weeks later, I found myself on Long Island, and he's showing me all the ins and outs. So fast, really fast forward this. Uh, within a couple of years, he basically looked at me and said, you don't need me anymore. You can do this. Wow. And so he, he released me, and I started actually directing outreaches just like he did. And uh, at the end of this all, so uh, I ended up being a trainer, a national trainer. Um, got to travel, went to the Dominican Republic. I've trained pastors, churches, communities, in Puerto Rico for two years. Um, but listen, it's not about what I did. Yeah. That's, that's not the point. Yeah. Listen, I'm nobody, man. I grew up right here in Washington County. This is home this to is, me. This I, is yeah, where I'm, nobody's grow up, right here. I'm home raised, right here. Yeah, hero makers, right here. But it was about somebody who was willing to look at me and have, a, have an I see in you conversation I couldn't see in myself. It was about somebody willing to say, you know what? I think God has something more for you. There's more for you to do. There's more for you to learn. Come on this journey with me. It was really somebody that took seriously what Jesus told his followers, right? And I can tell you this. Um, this guy and I are still in a relationship, but it's not about training anymore. Now it's about we laugh together. We cry back. We cry together. I mean, I talk to him almost every week. He kicks me in the tail when I need kicked in the tail, and I kick him back when he needs kick. But see, it's because he took seriously that thing that Jesus told his disciples right before, right after he resurrected, right? He, he comes to disciples, and in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, as my father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then just fast forward just a little bit, right? Just before Jesus is ready to ascend back to heaven, something we know is the Great Commission, in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, he looks at the disciples and he says this, I have been given all authority. In heaven and in earth, on earth. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. And I know a lot of times we look at that passage of Scripture, right, and we, and we focus on the go. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. We have, that's important. We have to be willing to go. That's part of what we do. But if you break that down, the actual translation is not focused on the going a more literal probably a better read of that would be as you're going through your life make disciples the imperative and the focus is on making disciples and so you know we can look at that and get really caught up and worked up in the whole my goodness man I don't know that sounds that sounds pretty daunting I mean after all I'm not Jesus right <laughs> he had his 12 and he did a great job with those 12 and they changed the world but man I'm not Jesus uh, and we, you know, we can, we can get hung up there. We literally can get stuck right there. But just like my, my buddy, Ron, you know, it's one of those things where we, we're willing to walk up to somebody else and say, hey, I see something in you. Or, hey, 
you know what? I don't have this all figured out, but let's do this together. You see, making disciples is not about being able to, to uh, instruct or being able to direct. It's really about just living life together. Uh, the Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He basically says this, and I'm paraphrasing. It's, follow me as I follow Christ. And he's not saying, hey, I got it all together. Matter of fact, if you read the other letters that he wrote that are in the New Testament, you find out really quickly that Paul didn't have it figured out, man. He, he, he'll tell you, I was the worst of the worst, the center of all sinners. But he says this, listen, and I, and I paraphrase again, follow me as I follow Christ. But I think what he was really saying, I don't have this figured out, but we can figure this out together. So let's, let's jump in and let's go. And you know, here's the thing about it. I think we can get, we get caught up sometimes because there's th- we think that, to make a disciple with certain things we have to be. But just let me tell you this. Real discipleship and making disciples is not about performance. It's not about having everything together. It's not about being perfect. It's not about figuring it all out. It doesn't require perfection. Right. right? Matter of fact, if it required perfection, we'd all be pretty bad at it because as far as, at least, at least for me, I don't know about y'all, but at least for me, there's not much perfection sitting in this chair sometimes. But, you know, it does require one thing. And I think we've all kind of touched on it today, but what, what it does require is proximity. It's, you, you've got to be connected. It, it's, it's, literally, it's literally looking at somebody else and saying, you know what, just come along. I don't have it figured out. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going all the time, but we can do this together. We'll get there in the end. Uh, and you know, here's the best, I think this is the best part. Every one of us has the power within our words and within our life to take somebody else on a journey toward Jesus. And so, you know, today we talked a little bit about to be a disciple, right? You have to follow. Uh, To be a disciple, you have to grow. And ultimately, you know, to be a disciple, you have to multiply. And I know, you know, sometimes that can seem pretty hard. Maybe you're sitting here today and and you're, you're looking at me and you're going, hey, that sounds really good for you. I mean, you're a pastor. You work at, you work at Lifehouse. This is, you, you got it all made. And, or maybe you're just sitting there going, you know what? It just sounds too hard. It just really sounds too difficult. Well, can I be really honest with you for a second? It is hard if you try to do it by yourself. It's very difficult because every one of us, each person, everybody that was on this stage, every person that's sitting in, in an auditorium, every person that's hearing this word right now has a problem and that problem sin. And sin is the thing that wants to keep us from the journey. Sin is the thing that doesn't want us to take this journey of discipleship, to grow, to follow, to make disciples. It wants to sidetrack us, hinder us, hold us back. But God was not willing to let that happen. He was not willing to let that be the end all. He sent his son, he sent Jesus. Jesus came to earth, he lived a sinless life. He died, took on our penalty, our our shame, our death, so that we wouldn't have to live under the pressure of sin, so that this journey would not be impossible. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're hearing these words and you're going, you know what? I really want to do that. I want to be on that journey. It's pretty simple. It really is very simple. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. Say yes to God's forgiveness. Say yes and, re- and, and, and believe in the fact that Jesus died for you. And if that's you today, I want you to do one simple thing. There's a QR code that's going to be on the screen. Would you scan that, follow the steps, 
one of our team would love to follow up with you, talk to you, and actually give you the next steps on your journey, on your discipleship journey. And if you're here in person, our prayer team, if you would like some prayer or somebody to talk to, our prayer team is available on campus. If you're online, you can click the prayer tab and somebody, one of our, one of our team will follow up with you, connect with you, and pray with you. The journey is for everybody. Let's take the journey together. Can I pray for you today? Father God, we thank you. I thank you that you have created a journey that we all can take. I thank you that you have made it possible through your son that the journey is not, cannot, it cannot be totally hindered by sin, and that we have the ability to move on. But God, today, I also know that that can be daunting, that can be difficult, that can be hard. And so my prayer is this, that each person would make a decision today, whatever that step is, to take the next step to follow you on the, on the journey of life and become fully devoted followers, Jesus followers today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.